Success Leaves Clues, ladies and gentlemen, part two. In our previous episode, we talked about a lot of folks that are on our level at some extent that I knew, but now it's time to get down and dirty with Tim. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Grow with Tim here with Jadu and Tim Joyner. And we're talking about success leaves clues. This is part two. It's a twofer here. So if you haven't heard us in our previous episode, get back in there. Now, Tim, this time I want to grill you. You made me come up with some folks and give all the dirty deets on some of the folks that I've known and met and worked with and really on a personal level have realized you know what? These folks have a level of success that I have not achieved yet. What can I learn from yet them? Yet being the operative yep. word, right? You haven't achieved yet. Yet. Yeah, that's right. Yet. That's right. So some of those things, right, I think I have achieved somewhat of a level of success because several of the folks that I did mention, I've known now for around a decade. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, yes, I've picked up on a few of those things that I mentioned. But now we're going to turn the tables to you, sir, a little bit. So we didn't hear as much about, we heard the topics from yeah, yeah. you. And what you could pull from them. Maybe I'll say, okay, here's the thing we pull, but I want to hear your stories. So you mentioned last week it's easy to kind of take it for granted, right? You, your, your life becomes normal to you and you forget. But when I started thinking about all the people that I've had a chance to interact with, it's really quite remarkable. And, and I count that a great privilege. Like it's not because I'm some special, amazing person. But I, I've had the chance to talk to multimillionaires, billionaires even, not just talk to them like say hi and shake right, their hand, right. but like, have deep and extended conversations with them. And so what we want to do today is, or at least what I want to do, I don't know what you want to do, but what well, I want to do here's today. The, here's one question that actually already popped up. Did you have to go golfing to meet these people? Because I don't golf. That's how everyone else talks about it. So when I was in college and I decided I was going to pursue entrepreneurship and yeah. business, I decided that I really needed to learn to do two things that All I didn't right. know how to do. One was drink coffee. The other oh, was play okay. golf, Got right? It. And I've more or less figured out the coffee thing. Okay. I, I don't know that I ever tasted coffee until college. And, you know, really? now I can go to a coffee shop with the best of them. So okay. <laughs> I, I, I've uh, learned that one. Okay. Golf, not so much. I just well, had to around this time ways. last year, you actually gifted our family and my wife with some nice coffee. That's right. Yeah, yes. that's right. So, and I don't drink coffee. Right. Maybe that's the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, there's some, the, the success clue that you need to get from us so <laughs> you far need to learn is to coffee, coffee wasn't natural. It's an acquired taste, apparently. No, I, I probably have two or three coffee meetings a week. Um, I used to have a lot more before I had, back in the early days, before I had dedicated office space, I had like three or four coffee meetings a day. And so oh, I yeah. really had to learn to drink coffee. Right, right? Right. So anyway, all right. So what I want to do today is, is talk about some people that are maybe not like way out there. Okay. Not the, the billionaires. Right. But right. the people that started out the same way that you and I did. Okay. Um, they didn't. Handsome. Oh, yeah, Tall right. and dark. They <laughs> started out, obviously, right? So, so um, what? And, and I specifically want to talk about one or two things that I've learned from each one of those. So, you know, I've told you before, I love asking questions. I've had a recent short where I talked about success for me is is finishing my food before my lunch companion, right? Mm -hmm. Because that means that I've listened more than I've talked. I've asked lots of questions. So, I like to ask questions. I like to learn from other people. Right. And I went through and I thought about. Um, five or six really extraordinarily successful people that I've had a chance to interact with and in some of the things that I've learned from them. And so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you some stories. Yes. Now I want to hear some stories and I also want to hear, cause you made me do it. 
what about them was success? I'm sure yeah. you tell us, right? Yeah. But what about them do you feel was that success component that, yeah. that they had figured out? Yeah. And um, and then, yes, I want to be able to steal these ideas yeah. without even meeting these people yet and use them for myself. So number one on my list is Dan Sullivan. Many of you have met Dan. You've read his books. He's published, I don't know, two dozen books or something. Right. He um, is on multiple podcasts. He's all over the place. Dan Sullivan has probably influenced my entrepreneurial journey more than just about anybody else on the planet. I've been reading his books now for over a decade. Uh, I've met Dan a number of times. I've had dinner at his home. I've had lunch with him multiple times. So I, it's not like we're close friends, but I certainly know him better than most right. and I've learned a lot from him. And Dan is the the founder of Strategic Coach. So this is an organization that coaches high-level entrepreneurs and really all over the globe. And they've got offices in Toronto and Chicago and I think London and maybe um, Melbourne, Australia, if I remember right, all over the place. And really successful guys coached. I mean, he's the leading authority on coaching entrepreneurs. He's coached thousands and thousands and he's got a system of associate coaches and so on. If you've not looked up Strategic Coach, check it out. Um, you'll be glad you did. But so what do I learn from Dan Sullivan? I think two ideas come to the fore. I, I could... We could be here all day talking right. about stuff I've learned from Dan Sullivan. Because you've been with Strategic Coach now for at least about a decade. decade. Yeah, yeah, about that. Right. Yeah. Okay. At once so a quarter, I fly to These Chicago. These are the two things. Once a quarter, I fly to Chicago and yeah. get a day full of great stuff, right? All right, two things. Number one, who, not how. We've talked about that before on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I won't take long. But if you're like most you know, highly capable, talented entrepreneurs, you tend to think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to find that money? How am I going to... Uh, acquire this new skill? How am I going to seize this opportunity or make this threat go away or whatever? You're always figuring out how to do stuff because right. you're, you're, right. you're a resourceful person. And, and Dan Sullivan, more than anybody else, has taught me to think not how, but who. So rather than me spend a lot of time and effort figuring out something, why don't I just find a who that already knows how to do it? They're already good at it. They're going to be way faster and better and probably more efficient and cheaper. Right. Why don't I just stroke a check mm. and hire that who either as an employee or as a contractor or a vendor or, I mean, there's any number of different ways to make right. it happen. But mm-hmm. I need to be looking for who's. And as I grow my network of who's, man, I can go much farther, faster, right. better, achieve a lot more by having this whole network of who's, each of whom are really good at what they do. And I'm just sort of the quarterback that, that coordinates So here's the play. my question about that. Two things. Number one, I don't think prior to you telling me about this philosophy in book, because mm-hmm. I got it yep. and went through it and was like, wow, this is groundbreaking. Two questions. One, I've never heard this concept, I don't think, outside of Dan or any well, other Well, you place. have, but in different ways. You've okay. heard of delegation, yeah, right? Okay. Everybody says delegate. The, different, the, the difference between what Dan's talking about with who, not how, and delegation is that delegation is like giving it to someone who is less talented and less skilled, like somebody that right, that right. Y- you give it to an assistant who doesn't know what you do, who makes a less hourly, really talented. I'm not in any way diminishing assistance. I couldn't get anything yeah, done right. without an assistant. Right. Love working with assistants. But delegation is giving it to somebody who is not as good as you are, but elevating it to a who is finding somebody who is actually better than you are, who's going to do it better, faster, cheaper, smarter, with better results. That's the concept of who, not how. Mm-hmm. And and I agree, not very many people talk about that. Yeah, really great. The second question about this is how long into the... I, I, I have a feeling that the who, not how book is not actually that old. Right. I don't know it's how fairly it new. Yeah. yeah, it's fairly new. Yeah. Okay, in the last couple of years, I guess. And 
he teaches on things, I think, for a while before he comes out with his yep. books on yep. them. I'm sure. Okay, but when in the 10-year journey did yeah, this yeah. kind of come to the forefront? So I think Dan has done this for probably two or three decades, even okay. before I knew him. Yeah. But he hasn't really been talking about it this way, as I recall, maybe two years or something. Yeah. But but he does it because he has this – I mean, I, I think I told you before – his latest book, in fact, Who Not How, Let, let's use it as an example. The book that came out, he basically had a, it's not a ghostwriter, a co-writer. Yes. Right. So right. Benjamin Hardy yeah, and, they and Dan Sullivan how wrote they it. processed the book. Yeah. yeah. So they wrote the book together, but basically Dan spent an hour or two on it, right? Benjamin Hardy interviewed him, asked him a bunch of questions. Dan gives him all the ideas right, and crazy. then Benjamin Hardy goes out and writes it. Right. But Dan's name goes on the book, right? Both of them do. But the, the arrangement that Dan had was, Look, Ben, you're going to get all the advances. You're going to get all the royalties. You're going to make all the money from selling this book. Um, and I'm not going to take a dollar. Okay. I didn't know that But part. Dan Sullivan's not going to do very much work, right? He's going to spend right. an hour or yeah. two. Get, right. right. But here's how Dan's going to get paid. Dan's going to get paid because people are going to read the book and join Strategic Coach. So um, Dan figured out that, and, and I think uh, now I'm, I'm on the spot and I'm not going to get this wrong. I think think the book has sold about 500,000 copies so far, I think is the right number. And but by the time you hear it, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, it could be a completely million, different knows? number. So just remember that. <laughs> I okay, think that's right. Up. I'm not sure you're if that's the right up. number. So then, <clears throat> but Strategic Coach has gotten hundreds or maybe thousands of new clients, each of whom are paying anywhere from ten dollars to $50,000 a year. So Dan Sullivan has made ten or $20 million off this book probably, Ben, ben Hardy has also made millions of dollars. But but the interesting thing about it is, like, they didn't quibble about, well, I wrote how, you know, the ideas are mine, so I should get Dan. And for, for Dan, Benjamin Hardy is a who. Dan didn't want to write a book, didn't know how to write a book, didn't know how to find publishing, didn't, didn't he didn't want all that. Right. He says, Ben, you're a much better book writer than I am. I'm going to give you the ideas, and I'm going to lend you my name and my network, and you're going to write the book. And you're going to take all the money from the book sales, and I'm just going to get the benefit of my brand going up, right? Right. right. I think it's a brilliant example of who, not how. So Dan's been doing that yeah. for a long, long time. He talks so much about collaborate, collaboration yeah. with people. Yeah. I love it. And, yeah. and, I mean, he's got a hundred and some odd people that work for him in this coaching organization, all of whom are really good at their unique ability, their specific thing that they're good at. So he's been doing this for a long time. But the book and, and the concept, Who Not How, which is his trademark, is is maybe a couple years old. All right. Love it. All right. I can tell you other things from Dan. I intended to, but we got to keep moving or we're going to spend the whole the whole time on the first two people. Number two on my list is Eric Weir. So Eric is a local entrepreneur. He's a financial advisor. He's a, a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he has Top Golf. I think he's got 60 or 70 Top Golfs around okay. the world that he yeah. owns and operates. This one as well. We're, we're within vision and yeah, right, sight of right, Top Golf in our community. He's got uh, real estate developments, yep. the, the big redevelopment of the Greenville News site downtown, yes. River Place. He's behind all of that stuff. Yes. So really successful guy. So I got to spend uh, four or five hours, well, I guess six or seven hours uh, a couple years ago with him when we had a mutual friend get married in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, okay. And I got invited to go on Eric's jet. So we were both leaving from Greenville. We were both going to Milwaukee. And instead of me flying commercial, I said, 
Absolutely. I'd love yes, to join okay. you in your jet. So we pull up at the airport, and you know how private aviation works. You, no, you, we don't. Well, some of you do. So okay. you pull right up to the jet, okay. and you get out, and you walk right, and the engines That's are running. That's how it works in the mu- mu- music videos I've yeah, seen. Yeah, re- in real life it does, at too. At this point, I have not been on and those flights. you immediately take off. There's no security to clear. It's amazing. And you take off. You land, not at a big airport with a big terminal, but like the little airport that's right next to, you know, whatever's the closest. There are thousands and thousands of little airports. Anyway, I'm digressing. So you land really close. There's a car waiting with the engine running and the door is open. You get off the plane, get onto mm-hmm. this car, and you drive wherever we you're going. We get it, Tim. What would you learn? What would you amazing. learn? <laughs> yeah, all right. So here's what I learned. Okay. I asked I asked Eric on the way there. I said, Eric, um, you know, you've been really successful, and and you've been and done things in places that I, I want to go. What's something you know today that you wish you knew when you were my age? My favorite question. I ask that question a lot. And uh, eventually he, you'll be old enough. You won't be able to be asked. I know. I know. I, don't remind me. All right. So so I asked him, what's something, you know, now that you wish you knew? And he really didn't miss a beat. He said, well, I hire a lot differently now. He says, I used to hire good people. Okay. They were good hearted people. They were skilled. They were talented. They were loyal. Um, but they were friends and family and people that knew people that I knew. And and they were all good people, but they weren't necessarily the best at whatever it is that I needed them to do, whatever their role was. And he said, over time, I completely turned over my staff, my entire team pretty much. I've now hired the best. And he says he pays, I think, 10 or 15, 20, I don't remember the numbers, but he pays above market. So they're not tempted to go anywhere else. They can't leave and get a better job somewhere else. And he says in, you know, it took him a couple of years to do that. And he said, as he did that, he's making many times more money, a lot less stress, more free time. Like everything got better when he did that. And I said, all right, so follow-up question, you're paying above market. Like that sounds amazing, but I don't, first of all, I think I have really good people working for me, but but let's suppose that I tried to go out and find rock stars. The best, yeah. Um, I don't think I could afford that. Right, right. Like, yeah. could you, were you already making enough money that you could afford? And he says, no, we want cash flow negative for a mm. while. Mm-hmm. But it was an investment. I knew it was going to pay off. And so he actually lost money for a while while he made this transition. But then they came roaring back, and he says he never looked back. So lots of other things I've learned from Eric, lots of other things. But, but that was the one that stood out, like – there comes a point, you can't do that when you're just starting out, you'll go bankrupt. But there comes a point in the evolution of your business where you, you can't just look for the cheapest talent. You've got to look for the best, even if it means paying above market. Right. And it's going to come back to you. Yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant The thought. best people come up with the best solutions and the best processes and all that. So yeah. it makes sense. I think we can all get that in our head. But yeah, who knew to do it, right? Number three is Carlin Tucker. So Carlin runs uh, multiple companies out of Denver, Colorado. And I first got invited to go do like a um, an observations and recommendations audit. So I went out to evaluate his marketing and flew out. I've told you this story before. It was I was really young. It was a phenomenal opportunity that I didn't deserve. I think I did create value, but I, I, was, I was really fortunate to get this opportunity. I uh, landed, this was my first ever business trip, the first time I went to see him. I'd never traveled for business before. And I landed, and here's the guy with the sign, you know, welcoming you. And there's like a black car out front, this Cadillac Escalade or something. And 30 or 40 minute drive to his office, and we get there, and there's a sign that says... Uh, so I'm learning group. about enjoying the journey along the process, whether it's flying or it's landing or whatever. Apparently, that's I'm traveling wrong. Yeah, that's maybe. what I'm getting. 
So, so you get there and there's this welcome sign. It says um, Tucker Financial Group welcomes uh, Tim, Tim Joyner, which was really cool. I took that and I've used that lots of times when I have important clients or vendors come, I'll put up a welcome sign. It really makes a good first impression. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Did a lot of good for him. Ended up becoming his fractional chief marketing officer and ran marketing for his group, for several of his groups for a year or two. I learned all kinds of stuff. But Carlin is a master storyteller. That's one thing. That's one reason why I'm working with you because you're a good storyteller and I'm not. I'm learning. I'm working on it. But but one of the inspirations for that is Carlin. Carlin is a great storyteller and he he builds relationships with people easily and entertains people, but not just as an empty entertainer. He uses his storytelling as a means to educate um, and ultimately sell. So he's a guy that says uh, telling isn't selling. Right. Right. Uh, asking questions is, right? Selling is okay. involved yes. in asking questions. But anyway, here's the thing about Carlin. You look at his stories. You get to know him. At, right now, he just seems like this incredibly successful guy. He's got, got beautiful primary home. I've stayed in his home. I've stayed in his guest home. I've stayed in his mountain home. He's got an 8,000-square-foot mountain home that has, I think you can see, I don't know, 100,000 acres or something, and there's only like one house visible from his front porch. It's amazing. These big floor-to-ceiling views. He's really doing well. And you see somebody like that, and you say, well, I guess he's just always been successful. But he hasn't. He's been bankrupt. He's gotten, he's had employees and partners embezzle from him and really mistreat him. He, he has been through some really rough patches in his life. The thing that I learned from him is you've got to overcome fear and failure. There's resilience. He's, he just get, he gets knocked down and he gets back up and he keeps fighting and he's really succeeded. Okay. Right. But, but another thing that I learned from Carlin is, and you hear the same idea from Alex Harmozy or from Gary Vaynerchuk. A lot of people say it's all about volume. Find something that works and then do more of it. Do more of it, more of it. So when I met Carlin, I think I was making forty or $50,000 a year yeah, probably. Right. This yeah. is a while ago. And um, he was spending $100,000 a month on Google Ads. This is back when Google Ads weren't really a big thing. Like right. Not very okay. many people knew yeah. about Google Ads. He was spending $100,000 a month. And for those of you that are not good at head math, that's $1.2 million a year on Google Ads. That's not to count magazines, radio, direct mail, um, list buying, email marketing, all kinds of stuff. He was spending big, but because he figured out a, a formula that worked and then he just did more of it. And, and it's been that way again. He, he finds something that works and then he just goes after it with everything and volume always wins. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a recurring theme. Yeah, like most right, people are playing right. too small a game. Like, look, if you can do it at this scale, why don't you, you have to do it a little differently. You have to learn things, but why not do it at this much bigger scale? So, uh, storytelling, overcoming fear and failure, trying new things. And then once you figure out something that works, you just pour the gas on it. And and that's worked really well for Carlin. Right, and right. he had some bumpy spots early in his career, but he got back up and has succeeded wildly. I've learned a lot of stuff from Carlin, but that's one, okay. one thing I learned Very from good. Carlin. Now, I don't think I caught on, or maybe I missed it, at what type of businesses he has? So right now, it's mainly financial. So he has... I, Last I knew, eight or nine hundred independent advisors. He's this is not technically the right term, but he's sort of like a broker. Yeah, Think okay. of like real estate. You got real estate yeah, agents. Yeah, right. He's a um, financial uh, broker for yeah. That's an oversimplification. But, and he does several services. different kinds of things in the yeah. finance space, but okay. it's all financial stuff. Gotcha. Okay, very good. Who's next, Tim? So I think number four is another local guy, Adam Anderson. And Adam and I are in a group called M3. I've talked about that before. We went out and did dog fighting over Las Vegas and right, drove exotic right. supercars and stuff like that. And uh, Adam Anderson thinks bigger than just about anybody I know. 
So Adam is currently working on a moonshine distillery on the moon. He's right. going to make moonshine right. on the moon. And he's got a scientist from NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab on um, board. And he's got, I mean, it's not just like a pie in the sky talking about it. He's raising a $200 million venture capital It's literally fund. pie in the sky. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah literally well, it's pie in almost, the sky. Almost, yeah. Moonshine on the moon is the definition <laughs> of pie in the sky. But, but it's not just talk like he's yep, actually doing right. something with it right, right. it's crazy he's, right? he's he's raising 200 million dollars for space investing fund a venture fund i think space and crypto and cybersecurity. he was recently on necker island with richard branson richard branson actually gifted one of his organizations a, a ticket on virgin galactic and uh he's involved in a i think there's asteroid mining and I, he's just he thinks on a much bigger scale than anybody i know he's the guy i talked about last episode where i went to him for advice about this $2 million deal I was putting together, which for me was pretty big. Like right. I, you know, yes. I was, uh-huh. And he's like, well, you know, it's easier to raise 10 or $20 million yeah. than it is too. And so do it this way. And, do, and, and I found that if you can keep your feet on the ground and still think big, some people just think and talk all day and don't actually do anything. But if you can do both, if you can think bigger and then actually break it down into action steps and pursue that goal, Big things happen, and Adam is an example of that. He's had several exits. He sold some um, companies that he's built and made a lot of money, and he's d- done really successful things. But, but he hasn't ever been content to just like keep up with inflation or you know launch this next biggest thing. He's always thinking like ten or a hundred x bigger than anybody around him, and that's something that I admire, and I'm trying to get better at okay. thinking bigger. So my question here on this one is. Do you need to now learn? You go from coffee shops. You got to learn how to do moonshine on the moon. That's right. Meetings. Or at least Necker Island. Like seriously, <laughs> I, that's right, a that's a right. key point. You've got to be in the room where you're going to be challenged, mm-hmm. where you're going to meet people that are going to sort of propel you to greater heights. This guy is a master at that. Yeah, he hangs out with really successful, wealthy people, and he's figured out how. I mean, he'll fly to Singapore for a lunch meeting with some really yeah. important person. Okay. He'll go to Necker Island and he spends money to do it, right? Yeah, the Necker Island. Right. The way he as I recall, the way that he met Richard Branson was some charity event where I think he had to spend twenty five thousand dollars for dinner on Necker Island or something crazy like that. And it's like twenty five thousand dollars for dinner. That sounds obscene. Right. But oh, it's it led but yeah. it's led to all these amazing right. things. He's gotten his money back many times over, right? Right. right. And that was the beginning. And and then he's gone on from there. And he he He's a really funny guy, sometimes profane, but very funny guy. And ha- he just thinks differently than most people I know. He's got great stories. If we had, I mean, we could do a whole episode. Right. We, we should maybe we should get him the on theme. the podcast. Right. That is we, the thing. We need to get a whole him on episode here. with each of these folks. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should, we ladies and gentlemen, let us know. Should we find each of these folks there you go. and ask them to be a part of it? We could do that. All right. So that's Adam. Number five is uh, Teresa Easler. She was one of my first coaches. Teresa runs a communication consulting firm. So is she local? No, she is no. out of Toronto. Okay. And she was... And you hired her early on to Well, she you. was actually one of my first coach at Strategic Coach. So when I would go... So Dan Sullivan uh, doesn't doesn't coach the entry-level people, yes, right? right. So you, you have to... Um, level up a little level bit. Level up a little bit. So Teresa Easler was one of his associate coaches. And so once a quarter for maybe five or six years... I was with Teresa in Chicago and a group, a cohort of maybe 20 or 30 other entrepreneurs that were up there. And I learned a ton from Teresa as well. But maybe one of the big takeaways from Teresa is that she, for me at least, normalized success. She normalized, normalized success. success. So my 
natural inclination was to sort of think about this level of success. Okay, and right. I know you're, if you're listening, your, you can't your see it. Your blueprint was at a certain yeah, level is what you're saying. Yeah. So Psyche had you yeah, at a certain Yeah, like I'm going to succeed to this yeah, level, yeah, but okay. not beyond. Not because I said I couldn't or I wouldn't. I just hadn't really thought about right, it. Like okay. just my default was mm-hmm. here. And I very distinctly remember one of the early, early workshops. Again, I'm at this point, I was probably making – I, I was barely squeaking by at a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Um, because you had to make a hundred thousand dollars to join coach. That yes, was the, right. the threshold back then. And uh, I had just squeaked by that and and um she made this offhanded comment. It wasn't the it wasn't in her notes, it wasn't the main point. Mm-hmm. But she said, you know, every one of you could completely shut down what you're doing, move to a new city, and within a few months figure out how to make a quarter of a million dollars a year. And then she just went on like making her point. Yeah. And I, and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't know what she said the rest of the day because I was thinking <laughs> right, about right. that. I'm like, I'm not making a – I've been building this business for 15 years. I'm not making a quarter of a million dollars. Is that really true that we could just, like, start over and figure out how to make a quarter of a million dollars? Is that – and she just said it with such nonchalance. Like, of course, all of you know you could do that, and you could. And it really challenged my thinking about what I – sort of was expecting. Right. Yeah. And I realized that was how that, you normally thought. And I right? realized that yeah. the skills that I had, the the thought processes, the tools, the raw material that I had, you know, she was right. I could have started over and built things much differently, much right. faster, yeah. much better, much mm. more efficiently. And I could get to success a lot faster than what I realized. And it was largely a, a degree of setting expectations. And she did that again and again where she just sort of normalized that of course you're going to succeed and of course you're going to, why wouldn't you? Like you have all these resources and you have all this knowledge and all this experience and not like just go do it. Um, and, and I've noticed that about a lot of successful people, they just expect to win. And and this isn't just a, you know, woo woo hocus pocus thing. Right. It's like, right. you're, this is another Dan Sullivan quote, your, your eyes only see and your ears only hear what your brain is looking for. And if you're looking for problems and adversity and conflict and people mm-hmm. to hate you and people to take advantage of you, you're going to find all that stuff. Right. But if you're looking for opportunity and you're looking for the the good in people and you're looking for opportunities to succeed and whatever, your eyes and your ears are going to find and right. see and hear those things. So anyway, right. she normalized success on a grander scale for me than what I'd looked at previously, and that was really valuable, among many, many other things that I learned from Teresa. So... I got three more, but I got. Okay, we'll I could have to get them on the podcast, Let, right, ladies and gents. I would be remiss okay. to not talk about my dad. I've talked okay. about my dad before. In fact, right. he was a podcast guest. Right. I, I talked him listen. into the pod, and not your stereotypical entrepreneur. It's not flashy. Nobody thinks of him as this really successful person, but I think of him as an incredibly successful person. Um, I said earlier, Dan Sullivan maybe has influenced me in my entrepreneurial journey, but in life, certainly my dad has more than anybody is. Um, a lot of us can relate to, not all. Um, Dad, I think I learned lots, but dad is a really good decision maker and he can somehow see the long-term implications of whatever it is that he's thinking about or working on right now. And he's the master investor, not just in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, but in thinking about how temporary sacrifice is going to set him up for future gain, Mm -hmm. not just financial, but relational and quality of life and all kinds of things. He's really good at making decisions with the long-term view in mind. He's he's really mastered his fear. He's a very 
calm, rational person. And, and whereas a lot of people like freak out about the idea of buying a business or buying rental property or whatever, like when he was 18, he was, before he was old enough to sell it, I think he was 17 when he bought his first real yeah, estate Okay, and then went to sell it and found out he wasn't old enough to convey title. He literally couldn't sell it. It's a funny story for another yeah, day, but, uh-huh. but he's learned how to take <laughs> responsible risks. You do the research, you kind of master your fear, you, you do the analysis and then you take that responsible risk with the long-term view in mind and he's really good at making good, rational, thoughtful decisions. And that's one of many, many, many things I've learned from Dad. We could keep going, but we've hit our timeline. So we might have now we just need to get gentlemen. some of these people on yes, the show. Right, we do. I think that would be actually a brilliant thing. And uh, if we talked good enough about them, Tim, hopefully we, they can listen to <laughs> this and be like, yeah, and we're like, hey, this, we said some nice things about you. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, the takeaway for this and the Grow With Tim audience is what clues are the successful people in your life leaving for you to pull from? And I think one of the challenges that I had while thinking of this topic as you came up with it, Tim, was making sure that I was strategically thinking about those clues rather than just going, yeah, I've met someone, I had a great experience, they're awesome, famous, and wow, it was cool to ride with them and get the guy with the black car and the sign. Yeah. But what do I need to be pulling away from that so I can grow with j my new podcast, <laughs> no, so I could grow with Tim. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll look forward to chatting with you on another episode or listening in, however you do that, at the Grow With Tim podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.